Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, this is Nancy Olson Livingston, and welcome to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, welcome to go back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that is playing tribute to Rita Lakin as part of our program this week. Rita Lakin. Edgar-nominated screenwriter, producer, novelist, and one of the very first female scriptwriters and later female producers in network television. Rita Lakin passed away Thursday, March 23rd at the age of 93. We're playing highlights from Rita's appearance on our program in October 2015, shortly after the publication of her memoir, The Only Woman in the Room. How did it feel to see written by Rita Lakin for the first time on a television screen? It, it, it was, like, uh, unreal. I was sitting there with my sister, because I didn't dare invite anybody else over. I was worried that it would be terrible, because, you know, in those days you really didn't, I, uh, I certainly didn't, get, get to go to dailies or, or see rough cuts or any of that stuff that I learned much later. So the only time I would get to see what I wrote was sitting in my living room eating popcorn mm-hmm. and watching my movie is like a regular person. Like, and, uh, and my sister and I kept jumping up and down. We were so excited. And every time I saw a name, I'd get so excited. <laughs> but but it, was, it was a sort of also a, a non-reality to it. Uh, did I really do that? And and if I remember correctly, you tell me if I'm you tell me if I'm mixing up events. But after you watch, if I remember correctly, after you watched at, at the end of that first killed air that you wrote, after it aired, you kind of had a cathartic moment in that that allowed you to really grieve the loss of Hank, your first yes, husband, for the very did, first time. I realized that. When- that now I really could support my children. I, I realized that I really had a chance to earn enough money so that we could live together and be happy. And I, he had his own office in the house mm-hmm. with the den and on the chalkboard. He was a physicist and on the chalkboard were mm-hmm. all his, still were all his hieroglyphics to me, mm-hmm. all his math he did. And I finally was able to go into that room and put my own typewriter in there. And uh, at the very last moment, of course, that would be my dramatic ending of the chapter. I erased all the things on the blackboard because I had—I knew I had was starting on my own path alone. One of your children, uh, Rita, is Howard Lakin. Howard Lakin, who uh, went on to become a very successful writer and producer in his own right, including such shows as Dallas. Uh, and uh, Flamingo Road. Flamingo Road, you and Howard worked together. I'm curious, and there's a reason why I'm going to ask this question. Uh, there's a story in, in the first part of The Only Woman in the Room, which is, and this, this, this happened before the Kildare episode aired, when you finally were able to erase the board, so to speak, and move on with the next point of your life. But there was a moment where you're still processing your grief 
for the loss of Hank, and you're still trying to figure out how am I going to do this. And there was a moment late at night, um, you have you have your son Gavin in your arms, and you're in the basement or wherever the washing machine is. Oh, oh, that that scene, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Well, you broke down. You, I mean, you, yes, I mean, you, you, I just you, was going to pieces. You broke down for I, the first time before I realized that I really could do it on my own. I was terrified. Well, I'm, I'm sure at some point you told Howard that story because... Yes, uh, I did. Okay, well, let me tell you why. I'll tell you why I bring this up. And I think you know this. I love Dallas. I love the original Dallas. Howard, <laughs> Howard... because that's the show I turned down. Well, no, we're going to talk... I, I, I understand why you turned that down. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But Howard was on staff during like the first four or five years, and he was on staff during the stretch... Uh, during the story arc where uh, Miss Ellie dealt with the loss of Jock. And Howard did not write this particular episode, but I know he was part of the team that were working out that particular arc. And there's a scene in the episode called Acceptance where Barbara Bill Geddes has a break where she finally, after five months of being stoic, she finally breaks down and says, Jock, why? Why did you leave me? It's, uh-huh. it's I mean I think she got the Emmy she I, she either uh-huh. got the and when I read the washing machine episode in your in in the only woman in the room I have to wonder whether Howard was borrowing from you. I don't think he was borrowing from me because <laughs> I don't think I talked about that episode when I was writing the book so okay. that's 40 years later. Well, I don't I think I told him any of this okay, earlier. Well, well, especially not when he was writing, and he's a terrific writer. And, he is. He is a terrific. And I know that, that he was bringing to Dallas the kind of humanity in the scenes that you're talking about. Yeah. I, I think he. I think he must have intuited it, but it's, I didn't talk about those things. Well, those years we didn't talk about those things. We didn't know that you could go to doctor someday and, mm-hmm. and have therapy and. Grief therapy and things like that. You just, you just, you just did what you had to do. You, you, you did what you had to do. But uh, for me, I mean, that that was one of the first things I thought of when I read that because I said, I said, well, wow. uh, so I asked the question, you and you answered it, and um, uh, if, if I ever get a chance to talk to Howard, I'll ask him again. Oh, but... <laughs> anytime. <laughs> he lives nearby, and I'm sure he'd love to talk to you. Before we leave the subject of Dallas, we mentioned that Howard was on staff uh, on Dallas for a number of years. You had an opportunity to work on Dallas. You turned it down, but I understand why you did, Rita, because timing is everything. That's right, and the timing was wrong for me. The timing was wrong for you because you you had just finished working on a show for CBS and I think MGM. That's right. Called Executive Sweep, which was um, the the best the best way to describe it is you were handed a loser, and you yes. were you not only were handed a loser you were handed a loser in the middle of a season and you were asked to do the impossible. And I'm sure everybody every writer they asked before me turned it down. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but you did the best you could, but uh, and the network the network ended up sabotaging you as as as, oh, yeah. as, as happens a lot, and so. 
you know, I mean, at, at a time when you want to decompress, you're at, I mean, you sent a script for the show called Dallas. And as it happened, not, not only was the, um, and I, I should be letting you tell the story instead of setting up the question, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but not, not only were you down on CBS, but you had actually met some Texas oil men on a European vacation. And, and that, was a, that, that also left a bad feeling in your mouth. Well, that was just a funny incident, and, and it really had nothing to do with why I didn't want to do Dallas. It just, at that time, I was getting more interesting projects mm-hmm. that, that, that were more about where I could talk, do stories that, that were deep and interesting and write interesting women. And the, the challenge for doing the show that I took on, Executive Suite, I just had a feeling I really could fix it because it was all about business in the boardroom and it was really, I mean, the, the people who were on the show before were terrific. They were terrific writers. They, they really did a great job, but the emphasis was wrong. Yeah. And I wanted to get to the people and I think I really solved it. I think I turned it into a really good show, but <laughs> CBS... In, in their own political games, whatever was going on with them, they didn't bother. They never gave me a chance to even put them on the air. Yeah, well, because yeah, well, they, they put you up against the Rockford Files, speaking of James Byrne. And then Byrne. Monday Night Football, and yeah. they just kept, and then again, again, against Dallas, which was then a success <laughs> later on, but, when Dallas was succeeding. But, but it, for me, Dallas I, it didn't interest me. It just... It was not what I was looking for. I was looking for shows about feelings, and this seemed to be about another business, the oil business. And it didn't speak to me. And of course, it was ironic that years later, my son worked on it for a long time, and also my brother-in-law, Artie Lewis, That's right. worked on it. And um, But it just... It wasn't for me. Well, it, it wasn't for you, but look, I mean, you, we, we all make decisions, and we hope they're the right decisions, and we hope they turn out well for us, and sometimes they do. I forgot and, how many years. Was it on 12 years or something? I gave up a show that <laughs> went on for 12 years. Yeah, but, but, but at the same time... A show you know, that never got on the air. A show that never got on the air, but at the same time, you, you, you continued to do made-for-TV movies, which were still very popular in the 70s and the early yeah, 1980s. Yeah, I, I got in... I, I got it on that, again, luck, the right time. Aaron Spelling was my boss on Mod Squad, and he was doing one of the first movies for TV, and he called me to do one. I mean, my God, that's a great break. This goes back to you doing your job as the writer, you know, after, after you explained the whole executive suite debacle. And, uh-huh. then, and then the next page, you talk about why you turned down Dallas. My heart sank, Rita. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I said, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> By then, it was no longer about money. Yes. Early on, I had to worry about money. But by then, I was earning a nice living. Exactly. And I was feeling my way into doing the kind of shows I really believed in and had a feeling for it. And I didn't see that there was anything in Dallas that would interest me. This was just not for me. You're listening to a conversation with Rita Lakin that originally aired in October 2015. Rita Lakin, creator of The Rookies and the author of The Only Woman 
in the room, a memoir of Rita's 25 years in network television. Rita Lakin passed away Thursday, March 23rd at the age of 93. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. My favorite line of the book. Yeah, I'm waiting eagerly. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Aaron Spelling. Oh, yeah, okay. He hated upsetting people and tended to promise to give whatever one demanded with no intention of keeping his word. But you don't say this with any bitterness. I mean, you just oh, say... No, that was just Aaron. That's, that's who he was. Yep. I mean, you just, you just got to learn what people were like and then not be so surprised when they do exactly what they always do. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, we may not learn that when we're 31. We may not learn that when <laughs> It takes we're, a long time. It does. It does. But that's, that, that's just part of the battle scars of being a human being and making your way in, in whatever one does for a living. But you, you have a very interesting relationship with Aaron in that even though Aaron would say one thing and do another, you learn so many things about Aaron. He comes across, some people come across better than others. Aaron comes across pretty well in this book. Well, I got to see an awful lot of him. I could have said a lot more. He was a very complicated man. He was a complicated man. But, uh, but, but, at, but at the same time, one of the things he taught you is, and again, this goes, this goes back to learning your way in the business is you know when you when you take a meeting especially a staff meeting sit at the it's happening <laughs> yes sit ignore it well you know, sit with the power yes and i think it was one of my favorite when it was him saying remember always sit next to the seat of power yeah cuz cuz look i mean it's like when, when you got to the point rita where people started taking meetings with you yeah I mean, even though even though you're basically a good-natured person, people are looking to you as the authority, and so you sort of have to project that self and be that authority figure while still being true to who you really are. Uh, yes and no. I think I pretty much stayed my same all the time. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine once taught me my favorite line, to kill him with kindness. And I just never thought, you know, when, I, when you lose somebody in your life, and mm-hmm. I mean, that's really important. Well, when somebody gets upset over something in TV that's meaningless, why on earth should I get upset? So you get, you have, I had a different perspective. I really did have a different perspective. And well, I, I, those things didn't bother me. Well, because you had... I, mean, lo- I did get some things that were done to me that were really not kind, but, but I didn't overstress them. You didn't overstress them, and if you read The Only Woman in the Room, folks, you'll understand that when you enter an industry such as television, having lost, you know, the love of your life at age 31 and having to raise, you know, three kids and figure out a way to to make it work without any marketable skills at the time, by the way. I don't don't know where we mentioned that. No kidding. I mean, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You have to bear down and figure out a way to do it. That's right. That's exactly it. There was no room for feeling sorry for myself. It was just full speed ahead, make something happen. And then amazing, amazing things happened to me, absolutely amazing. I I had such success. But but the thing that's so fascinating to me once I started to write this book is I had really no idea how successful I was. 
I really didn't know at the time. And how do I put it? And looking back, I'm, I'm so surprised at some of the things that happened to me. Does that make any sense? It makes a lot of sense, Rita. It goes back to one of the first things we talked about when we look at the arc of a person's life. Because you're busy living your life. I mean, I mean, you're living your life. You're not thinking about, you know, am I setting a path for other people? Am I shattering the glass ceiling? You're figuring out. I had none of those things in my mind. No, you're figuring out, okay, how am I going to pay the mortgage? Or if you're writing a script and some, you know, character comes into your life and uh, leaves a $100 bill in your purse, you know. Uh, yeah. Which, which, yeah, that was. It, you got to pick up a copy of The Only Woman in the Room to find out what we're talking about. But just like you you, you got to deal with all these things at the time, um, and, and you, you can't worry about uh, am, am, I, am I being a pioneer. You're just busy doing you, living your life and doing your job. I wouldn't even have known what a pioneer was in those <laughs> days. I, I didn't have a clue what, of what I was doing was unusual. I just didn't know. But I, I would imagine now that you're looking back, and especially with the perspective you have, because in, in the 25 years since you've left television, you have, you've carved a very successful uh, career of your own as a mystery novelist, you know, with the Gladdy, with the Gladdy Gold uh, novels. I now, I now know why you called them Gladdy. Uh, yeah. That the answer to that is in the book. We'll have to. Well, you know, read, the reader will have to find that out for yourself. But, uh, but I, I now know why you call her Gladdy. And with success in two completely different fields. Now, as you look back at, at your life and you talk about it, I'm, I'm sure you pat yourself on the back once or twice. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, I really don't. Well, you should. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to do that. Edgar-nominated screenwriter, producer, and novelist Rita Lakin from a conversation that originally aired in October 2015. Rita Lakin passed away Thursday, March 23rd at the age of 93. Rita Lakin visited our program several times for the past 14 years. We'll play highlights from one of Rita's other visits to our program in our second hour. If you stay tuned for that, in the meantime, we'll take a quick time out. Then Greg Airbar will join us for a DVD report next on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.